Welcome to Trivial Debates. Welcome to Trivial Pursuits. I am your host. Hold on one second. What? Trivial Debates? No. <laughs> trivial Pursuits. That's what I pay you for. He's taking your move, Chris. Oh, boy. <laughs> they, they went with LeVar Burton. <laughs> no, I don't blame them either, but... I think they went with Dawson. Awesome. All right, I got. I gotta go. I'm in the middle of something. Welcome to Trivial Debates. I am your host, Devin Skellhorn. I'm super stoked and happy to be here. Um, we have three contestants on uh, the show tonight. We have Chris Seymour. Yay! 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 Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have Kermit the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> All strong contenders here tonight. We also have my cousin, your cousin, everybody's cousin, Dave Mater. It's me. Cousin of the show, cousin of the show, creator of the show. <laughs> All um, those things. Yep. Is he, pro is also... he producing the show too? I'm producing. Is... I'm, 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 I'm multitasking. Oh, yeah, wow. I, I also our never... producer tonight. We also have Adam Woodward. Hey, guys. Looking forward to today. Long time never, champion. Never, never battled uh, Dave. Oh. No, yeah. I, I haven't competed in some time. Uh, and the last time I did compete, I was like, it was more of a tag team affair. That was when we were, I was teamed up with Jeff. Oh, so, oh a long time this, ago. This has been a while uh, since I've been a contestant. So, uh, uh, Davin, fun. when I hosted and you competed, I gave you one mm. round and I'm expecting the same. <laughs> there, there, no, there's going to be no revenge hosting here. No revenge hosting? No. Okay. No. It's not, Gavin, no, when, no, when no. I hosted, I, I let you actually win. So I expect the same. <laughs> well, quid pro quo, I guess, eh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, I never sent you the intro notes, did I? No. What's an no. intro <laughs> Well, how this show works. I'll just I'll just take over for a moment. Uh, there's uh, six rounds, including a speed round, um, uh, including uh, movies, TV, sports. So each round, there's a question posed by the host, and each of us will give our our submission. It doesn't mean that it's truly the best. It's just what is the best answer today uh, of what's been sort of uh, posed, and uh, and then you know Davin as the host and judge will hand out points to one of us and uh after the six initial <coughs> rounds only two of us will move on to that speed round which will be the same six categories but just much faster and um and uh and and only one of us will be standing at the end sorry davin that's my bad i should have sent you the, the intro notes uh no worries no worries uh michael chan oh, oh. is uh here to cheer for you adam he's saying you're gonna win go adam go oh i love it i have a fan dave one. is not in his trek uniform therefore he's weakened and they cannot compete. Zero compensation. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna be right. part of the union for that, Davin. Yeah, 
All right, let's get going here. Let's get going. <laughs> All right, uh, where's my ding ding ding? Okay, uh, first one. First up, we have our movie category. Oh. oh, ding ding! Yeah, definitely need that. Definitely need that. Okay, what is what? That's totally not it. So let's go with the one I I prepared. Oh, did I? Um, I fixed this. Our movie category for today has nothing to do with Christmas. It is in fact. Hold on, hold on. That's my bad again. Oh my god. What is the best movie monologue of all time? Not at Christmas time, of all time. I'm gonna lick my wounds here. It could be a Christmas movie. Look, he's he's multitasking. If we gotta, I'm multitasking with a bit here. Um. Okay. Well, who's up first, Chris? Um, yes, Chris is up first. Chris, Chris, what is the best movie monologue of all time? Well, you know what? We're all Kevin Smith fans here. Um, so I went with uh, Kevin Smith's monologue in Chasing Amy. Um, it's, it's a monologue in, in the, the fact that it's a, it's about a three minute long speech, um, that, uh, that, um, Kevin Smith's character, Silent Bob, does, uh, um, to, to hold it while sitting in a diner. Um, the whole speech is about, um, um, you know what, it's about Kevin telling about his ex, how he asked her, how he asked her uh, about his past boyfriends, and he regrets it after because he finds out that she was in a menage a trois and he starts calling her a slut. Um, you know, he's telling this story um, and he, he, he regrets it after, he feels, he feels that he shouldn't have called her a slut. Um, he regrets it. He he admits that he was afraid. He was feeling insecure that he wasn't good enough. Um, and he he's explaining this. He's he's just basically explaining his girl troubles um, to Holden because Holden's going through a very similar situation. Um, and at the end, he, he kind of says, um, "You know what? Uh, he spent the rest of his days um, chasing Amy." And he really regrets it. And you know what? It's the best monologue, not because of its content. It's the best monologue because uh, is is that it? It's no, finish your sentence. I want to hear oh. the end of that sentence. <laughs> it's, it's the best monologue because it's it's Kevin Smith's third film, and I, I, up to this point, we hadn't really heard him speak more than two words, uh, and it just it just really surprised the the audience, and it surprised the fans uh, that All he right. really spoke that much. Cool, cool. I had to let that finish, but good point. All right, next up, Dave Mater, producer. Oh. <clears throat> this is like this is this is why I definitely don't typically don't produce and compete. Uh, but here I go. Okay, it's been it's been a minute here while I while I give myself <laughs> a minute. Um, you can have a minute ten. You know what? I will answer your question, Davin. Because what is the best movie dialogue of all time? Yeah, I'll answer the question. I'll answer the question. I'll answer the question. You want the truth, Davin? You can't handle the truth. We live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Chris Seymour? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You know, I'm talking about a few good men. I'm talking about uh, Colonel Nathan Jessup, as played by Jack Nicholson in the 1992 film A Few Good Men, where he's going back and forth in this cross-examination with Tom Cruise, uh, playing the part of Lieutenant Caffey the uh, defense lawyer for two people accused of murder in a, in a code red scene. And it's, it's really, um, 
I think it's a it's a really as poignant today as it is uh, back then. Uh, it is a timeless uh, speech, and I am out of time. I can't handle this. Okay. If you, yeah, right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Adam, what's the best movie monologue of all time? I uh, took from one of my favorite pictures of all time, Blade Runner. And the 42 words that Rutger Hauer ended up with at the end of the movie. I have seen things you wouldn't believe. Attack ships off fire, on fire off the shores of Orion. I watched sea beans glitter in the dark near the Tanzhauer Gate. All those moments will be lost like tears in the rain. And uh, it became the tears in the rain quote from, from movie history. It's poetic. It really shows here, you know, I, I love the android, the replicant, uh, um, debate over the years and are they human or are they do they have souls and i you know this at the end of that movie after he had just been beating up decker who played by harrison ford and was went up to kill him and he saved him in the last moment and came up with this soliloquy here that really does show a, a, a lamenting because I, I think that he became aware and very much proved that they were replicants and then humans are wrong to, to you know target them and judge them and end their lives at such an early time on so I, I i love it it's it's haunting um and every time i see this movie i see something different as well i just but this this is the, the perfect ending perfect ending okay all right very different monologues also very different approaches uh, very interesting so um, we have the uh surprise uh <clears throat> aspect coming from chris there and it's unexpected uh nature of that monologue whereas with uh dave we have more it's the the content and the uh acting of of the monologue itself very much and adam we have uh it's more the poetic nature of it and the expression of character and i find those all very different approaches now you guys battle it out right sure Okay, like these are all good speeches in the movies. They're obviously well known and famous for various reasons. Um, I think that you know between my two opponents, I I tend to favor Chris's over Adams just because I, I think I'm a bigger fan of Chasing Amy than I am a Blade Runner. Um, I, and I, I didn't see that so much later in life. Uh, you know, and I watched it in the whole scene with Rucker Howard. I was like, is that it? I was like, you know, it didn't, it didn't, it, I don't know. Like a lot of people love it. I, I, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't stick with me, but that's just my own bias. And then chasing Amy, I think is a, is a good one. Um, you know, but I don't think it's as iconic as you can't handle the truth, you know, son. You know what? I don't, I don't think that this is about being an iconic monologue. Uh, the reason I chose chasing Amy is because like, uh, we know Kevin Smith didn't, didn't start his podcast at this point. He didn't, he didn't go on his college tours. He didn't start that until like, 2001 or 2002, um, chasing Amy in 1997. Nobody expected that, and it, it's it may not be well known. It's well known among Kevin Smith fans, um, and it, like just the shock value of of when he started speaking. It just like I, I was shocked. I remember seeing that movie for the first time, and I was like, "Whoa, he, this guy can actually talk!" And I didn't at the time. I didn't know like Kevin Smith is a great storyteller, and I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, right, until right. that movie, uh, what what a great storyteller he was. And after that, I started watching things like An Evening with Kevin Smith. I started listening to some of the podcasts um, because, and I think that that monologue sprung me into into doing those things. And Blade Runner, um, like I've I've barely seen that movie. Uh, it's not memorable memorable to me at all. I don't even remember that quote. Um, Dave, 
Jack Nicholson, like he's an actor, you would expect him to do a, a, a great acting job and a great monologue every movie that he's in. Well, this is his best, though. Possibly. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Dave does have the sound clip advantage here. I have. I'm going to use my, in my arsenal, guys. That's all right. You're producing at the same time. You need some sort of <clears throat> handicap to make up for it. Adam, you got to get in here. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can't disagree with the, the quality of either one of their choices. However, when you look at the impact and the influence that Blade Runner made in future, whether it be, I mean, gosh, it was, it was funny because I even in my own mind, I never even thought about quoting any other movie other than a science fiction. And when we were talking about it a few weeks ago with Dave, I actually said, yeah, it's a science fiction movie. I had to go check. It wasn't, you know, cause I gave my answer so quickly, but the influence of this particular movie, but, and because the roles were played so well and, you know, even into the, I mean, we're all fans of Star Trek and Picard, and you look at how that transfer of, of replicants or, or androids or whatever you want to call them into future pop culture has become such a strong thing. But that that line and, and the internal battle, are androids bigger than just a machine or a robot? And the answer was very clearly less. And yes, I mean, we I was young when this movie came out, heck. But as I grew and listened to it and watched it more, I just find that ending fantastic. And when you listen to those words, you, you understand why. I would say that in terms of what the monologue, these three monologues all accomplish in the respective films, I think that mine does stand apart because mine has, uh, for me, this is just my own subjective opinion, so much rewatchability because of what the character is saying in that monologue, what he's trying to get through to Tom Cruise's character about how you know, he's a soldier and he has to be tough on these guys because it has to save lives and he has all this responsibility. But at the same time as you're listening to him, you're like, no, you're not really right about these things, you know, and, and your righteousness is your undoing and, and, and how and how he's able to get that character to launch, how Tom Cruise's character gets Jack Nicholson's character to launch into that speech. And then that's his undoing. That's how he gets him. Right. Because he's like monologue at me, motherfucker. And then he's hey, gotcha. You know uh, what, people, people only remember you can't handle the truth. They don't remember the rest of that monologue. They just remember that one line. Well, I don't, I, I, that's the most, that's like what he yells at. But then everything he says for the next like two minutes is like really strong, but that's also, it's so accurate to his character. It's so much like the whole room just stops and listens to him, right? It's not a monologue like, like your monologue is more like he's telling Ben Affleck's character, Holden McNeil, a story. He's like, listen, I had a girlfriend years ago and I lost her and it was sad. You know, whatever. Okay, sure. But like, it's not the same as this movie monologue. I told you, I don't think mine's, I don't think my monologue is about the content. It's about, it's about the, the, the surprising the audience. Yeah. For me, for me again, you know, it comes back to, you know, what speaks to you as a, as an individual and where, you know, Jack Nicholson, no question, Dave delivers really well. I mean, the fact that just Kevin Smith spoke is, is, seems to be your big reason, Chris. Um, uh, but, you know, you know, the movie Blade Runner around the whole movie is this, you know, four or five replicants trying to live, trying to survive. And a police officer trying to kill them. That's the movie. But, and then, you know, a great battle at the end, great fight. And then you find out that he's forgiven him. He's come to realization he's going to die. And then, you know, it's just, it, it comes into the whole point of, you know, where is life after death? And, you know, do they, does all my memories, everything I've experienced just go away like tears and rain? I, I just, 
it's just it's a great great thought and i i think to myself man like it, it goes well beyond the movie well beyond science fiction well beyond the android story just into something what's after this that was the last word i have made my decision so good arguments fellas that one really came down to the debate because i i enjoy all of these um for different reasons for sure um Chris, you kind of had it right up until like the last minute. And then you and Adam sort of skewered each other. And Dave made a few good points about why his was uh, the best monologue. He started to give a lot of uh, reasons. And Dave took it at the end there. Oh, thank you. That was Yeah, that one bounced around. It started on Adam's side and then went to Chris. And then, yeah, good debate. Son, we live in a world that has walls. And those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg, I have a greater uh, responsibility think... than you can possibly fathom. Okay, I gotta stop. You weep for Santiago and you, you curse the, the Marines. Marines. Oh my God, it just keeps going. Yeah, um, I, I, I'll have you know I was not swayed by the sound clip. But no, like one, the most effective thing I think you said there, Dave, was um, um, how you, it's this great monologue. And with most great monologues, you're supposed to feel or agree with the character usually, except in this case, you don't. And you're still right. captivated. Yeah. You kind of do, but you kind of don't, right? You're yeah. like he makes like I think it's it's complicated, and I think it that is. yeah, like I, I think it's it's still pointed today, uh, just like the whole idea of like military police culture and what what it means to be a man and all of mm -hmm. you know, and what we allow for that. Okay, anyway, you, you know what bugged me about that is, and you know because I love I love mine, and but Dave said I do too. Movie, Yours is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, but but Dave. <laughs> When Dave said the movie just ended, and I go, how many other people did it just end for without mm -hmm. really listening to it? And I'm not saying you didn't listen, Dave. I just, I, uh, yeah, it may have got lost. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on to TV. Uh, okay. Oh, he, Chris almost ruined you, though, when he said, nobody knows anything except you can't handle the truth. And I was like, yeah. Well, <laughs> you it's, almost it's, the, it's the biggest part they remember. I agree with that. But. <laughs> I, I've never uh, even TV. seen the movie. Oh, you should well. see it. Uh, That's the best know, part. I don't like Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, which sitcom, TV, which sitcom best defined its era or decade? Whichever you choose to focus on era or decade, it's fine. All right. First up this time, producer Dave. I'm up first. Okay, here I go. Start my minute. And okay. Like, this is not what is the best sitcom. It's what is the no. best sitcom defined its era. And I, I think I, I, I have to go with this one. Yes, it's the Friends theme song. Nobody told you it was going to be this way. I don't, okay, like the show for me was not great throughout the whole run. I, I was a fan in the early years. I remember my mother dancing to the theme song in our living room <laughs> while we were still living in Quebec. She was, she thought it was the greatest show ever. It, 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 it captured a nation. It captured the world. Obviously it's still huge in syndication today. And when you think of the nineties, you think of friends. I know it went into the two thousands as well, but it's really to me the nineties, like nothing could be more 1990s uh, than friends. Uh, it, 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 especially when you think of 1990s New York uh, or what, 1990s TV New York was more specifically. It is its friends. Um, you know, it's. I don't necessarily love the show, but it defines its era more than anything else. 
I think you have to go with it. I, I'm done. I, I I yield the rest of my time. So you're saying you don't love the '90s? <laughs> I don't. I I kind of have a a, a nostalgia for it, but um, you know, because I grew up in that era. But you know, I wouldn't say that uh, I want to throw on friends. I just think when you think '90s, you think friends. All right, all right, Adam. Which sitcom best defined its era decade? <clears throat> I took the The Simpsons, and uh, you know, and back then you probably wouldn't call it a sitcom, but it certainly has become one over the years. I mean, you know, when you look back at The Simpsons, you can, can call it people call it the golden age of The Simpsons. I mean, it was fantastic, and it's since then sort of lost its mystique. But it's also thirty years old now. I think, um, you know it's got some huge hallmarks. I mean, there's things that we all can reference in there, like, you know, Halloween episodes, the the multi-generational uh, gags that are on that show that just everybody gets, you know, you don't have to, in, in every episode, there's something for everybody from, from the 70s kid, which is me, up to probably more recent kids as well. Um, and then finally, just its influence on later programs. Um, and I was just thinking of other ones that I've, I think came after with King of the Hill, uh, South Park for sure. Um, Beavis and Butthead, if you remember that show from the 90s, which was awful. Futurama, uh, American Dad. I mean, there's just a ton of other stuff. But... Sorry. <laughs> all right, all right. Chris, which sitcom best defined its era or decade? Well, I think that I'm the only one that understood the question properly. So, strong <laughs> <laughs> oh, opening. <laughs> the show that I chose is Leave It to Beaver, which really oh. defined um, the 50s. When you watch that show, you see um, June Cleaver. Um, all she does, she's she's a housewife, always wearing her dress, always hair done nice. Um, she's always baking or doing housework or something. But Ward Cleaver gets up. He's, he's, he's always got his suit on, even at breakfast. Um, you're always wearing a suit, always wearing a tie um, and going to work. You didn't even know where he worked. They, all they said in the show was he worked at a big corporation. You never knew where he worked. Um, so then, you know, the kids would get into some sort of mischief during the day, whether it be lying. Like, it wouldn't be something horrible. It wouldn't be something like like nowadays, like going out and stabbing someone. It would be like like telling a lie or something like that. And then Ward Cleaver would come home, and every night he would sit in his chair, still wearing his suit, smoking his cigar, and he would give a speech. He would give those kids a lesson. No more stabbing. <laughs> don't act the, like those 2000s kids yeah you don't want to know what's coming he said <laughs> so. I mean my daughter's just over one and she's already stabbed three people so. <laughs> wow <laughs> early. Yeah. okay yeah open debate all right number one Chris Chris <laughs> that like I, I love leave it to beaver as a kid okay but you know yep. when you go like look back in time and it defined a generation it, it, it's just wrong. It was written no, by white guys. Hold on. White guys defining what white women and white men and white kids should all look like in their neighborhoods. And, you know, the expectations that moms are in their pretty dresses at the end of the day, making dinner, uh, it, I think put a lot of negative pressure on people that they didn't need to have. And the dad leaving in his suit and coming home, smoking a pipe. Listen, kids, my, my, actually, my dad was called the warden by my friends, just so you know. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's kind of a iconic show that could never have ever been lived up to in normal society. 
Well, I don't even know what uh, what decade The Simpsons defines. I mean, it's still on now. What are you talking about? The nineties, the two thousands, the two thousand? Oh, I, I think that it, it came out in the nineties. It did come out in the nineties, but it's still on, and it, it came out in the eighties actually. And yeah, it um, came out in the eighties. It came out uh, in the eighties on the on the calendar. Yeah, but, but the show's no, the, still the on. Trace, Tracy Ullman show actually. But the Tracy Ullman show, yeah, that's it. However, it's what it did in culture, pop culture. It, it set the stage. It defined television. It defined pop culture. It defined the way things were written from You're there. You're talking about pop culture. Jerry Mathers, who played the Beaver, still is appearing at Comic Cons. People still. You're talking about pop culture. Were Ross and Rachel on a break or not? We need to know. <laughs> yeah. like Friends was just well, it was a spinoff of Seinfeld. I don't think it defines the '90s. I lived in the '90s. It wasn't. It wasn't. Friends like is not a, a spinoff of Seinfeld. Well, again, you know, you look at that. The friends, NBC, but... <laughs> you know, where hom homophobia is is normalized, and you know, um, the way they right. people just treated again poorly, and setting again false expectations of where you should be at that point in your life. It we all wanted, zero. we all wanted to live in the, and and I was in that age at about that time, and I go, how the hell can they live there and afford all these nice clothes and be at the coffee shop every day, and just it didn't it wasn't reality. It's the '90s. It wasn't reality. <laughs> you know, now, the guys. Simpsons, on the other hand, reflected reality. It, it bounced everything that was coming there: politics, music, uh, TV, media. Everything was bounced off there. It was even they even you know I mean it's it's a debate whether they coincidence uh, <laughs> more likely, but they even said that tr uh, Trump would be president someday, and everybody laughed. And here it was, but uh, it, it it became a, a, um, a sounding board for everything going on in, in the '90s. And and yeah, sure, sure, it's still on TV. Why? Because it's so damn good. Yeah, I would say that Leave It to Beaver, Chris, is not even the best uh, show of its era. I would say that's the Dick Van Dyke show. Uh, well, that didn't define its era, though. Well, it, it I think... The Dick Van Dyke show wasn't wasn't yeah, it wasn't showing life as as people expected it to be back then. I think I think that well, both show all of it was kind of TV-ified and whatever to d different degrees, but like it was sort of like that idealistic look. But I, I think that uh, Leave It to Beaver more problematic. And and Simpsons sure is a great show. It's but it's still on. So to say defend its era, where you're talking about, you would have to be including today as but, but well. You, but you you can't. I mean, look, you can era when it started. I mean, the fact of the matter is, it became a, a catalyst for what television or just writing is now, or even movies. Yeah. Uh, I think I've made my choice. Oh, okay. All right. Adam. Thank you. You got this one. That was a good debate. Um, but yeah, Adam made, Adam did a good job at taking both of your guys' uh, debates down. Um, hmm. um, I agree with what, he said about leave it to beaver and it being more of a a model they wanted people to emulate but not necessarily it being reflective of the reality of the times and i would say this he said the same thing about friends and i tend to agree with that as well and they didn't yeah and simpsons just and i don't know what you guys are talking about because simpsons ended after 13 seasons and i don't i wish it did i agree with you there that's that's absolutely true because <laughs> like the golden yeah. era of the simpsons but then it just kept going on and on the quality's gone down and down and so well like, i don't even think time, anyone watches the new episodes every but... time the simpsons now comes up in any of these debates or any kind of just a conversation you're like wow it was so great but then it kind of like yeah but i uh, can't i can't even tell you anything post 2000 honestly yeah. like there's you know I, when NSYNC was on the show, I stopped watching. 
Good debates. Good debates so far. Let's move on to music. Okay. Um... What is the best song to listen to while rocketing or flying to space? You could ask William Shatner, but I'd rather hear what you guys have to say today. Adam's up first, right? Adam is up first. I, I'm going to, again, like like Dave, I'm, I'm leading off with a... Uh, um, a very short short answer here but my my song was comfortably numb by pink floyd you know i i think that there's a considerable i mean you take the experience of flying into space and you're sitting in a rocket ship or whatever it might be and and an anxious noise you know g-force is pushing you down and you need something to calm you and that's how the song starts but once it gets going there's three minutes of an incredible solo that just is heavy heavy and just for me it gets me going every time and gets my adrenaline up and i, I love that song and I, I would love to have that my my time you know leaving the atmosphere for that song playing. Time's up. That's all he needs. All right, Chris. <laughs> okay, um, took a different route here. I'm going with uh, "Leaving on a Jet Plane" by uh, John Denver. Um, reason I chose this song is a, a lot of the lyrics as well. Um, like rocketing into space is is um, is a, a big risk, right? Uh, leaving on a jet plane. Don't know if I'll be back again. Um, and, and you know what? There's so many different versions of this song you could listen to. There's country versions. You don't have to listen to the John Denver version. Like it was ma made popular by uh, Peter Paul and Mary. Um, Frank Sinatra did a version. Um, Chantal Kreviatsek, the Canadian, did a version. And you know what I think about when I think of this song as well? Uh, the movie um, um, Armageddon. When Michael Duncan starts singing this song, like in his low voice, on a jet plane. and then the, the whole cast joins in and you know they're they're about to go rocketing into space you know what that part of the movie just touches my soul i love it um I, that's my favorite part of the movie i want to listen to that song while rocketing into space what was adam's answer sorry i just uh, um comfortably numb comfortably numb but pink floyd I have become comfortably numb. Well, that's Very that good. Okay. Yeah. okay. I'm a bit of a singer in my day job. Uh, <laughs> Not, Pink, Pink Floyd's is one of these bands that always just, like, I'm like, who? I'm like, okay. <laughs> Dave, sometimes I think, man, I'm old, a lot older than you. <laughs> I, I, It's not even my age. It's just my uh, Jeff yeah. knows way more about Pink Floyd than I do. Dave, um, what's the best song to listen to while rocketing, flying into space? Other than the... Uh, Star Trek the Next Generation theme song. Well, it's 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 key that you brought up Star Trek here, Davin, because <laughs> Did you pick Faith of the Heart? I did not pick Faith of the Heart. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I I I here we go. Oh yes, it is sabotage we are going with. Tell me, Dave, uh, uh, why do you want to think about sabotage while rocketing? Well, because it was used in two of J.J. Abrams' Star Trek movies, uh, Star Trek 2009, as well as Star Trek Beyond. 
um well he produced uh, the, the third movie uh he didn't actually make it but it was kind of a riff back on that original use of the of the thing it was classical music as scotty had put it um and uh it's just uh, a great just because of its use in those two films i associate it now with going to space with a big climax of a battle um as much as any of these other songs certainly more than comfortably numb and uh and then leaving on a jet plane it's not it's not a spaceship uh so you know sabotage uh works so well it's so oh i'm out of time so this is the problem with the producing i know no one's checking me uh it's all right uh, you're allowed to run over a little bit you got a lot to think about can can i just say i think this is an like the rebuttals here are almost meaningless because you know every one of us are going to speak differently for what it means to us and you know gavin davin i think pardon me it's going to be just down to your pick and you know i mean listen i'm I'm going to be completely fair here i dave's I'm with Chris. I like that song, but I, you know, I, you, I think you can pick any three of them. And well, you know what? About my song is, is that there's different versions of it. You can listen to the rock version. You can listen to whatever you can listen to the country version, whatever you like, whatever floats your boat comfortably numb. There's, there's only like really that version and it's kind of slow. And if I'm rocketing, I don't want to listen to comfortably numb. Comfortably sleeping. Hold on. Here's my, here, here's my rebuttal to sabotage. Um, that's not even the best Beastie Boys song for rocketing into space. Like I would, <laughs> I would have gone with Intergalactic. Why not Intergalactic Planetary? Like if you're rocketing into space, why don't you want a song about space? It's not as well known. Let me pose this to you, gentlemen, since it is a weird one to debate. How does your song make you feel while rocketing into space, and why do you want to feel that way while rocketing into space? Well, I, I started to describe that, but it, yeah. for me, it's again, it's that. You know, just the the unknown where things are, but things bad are going to happen in the takeoff. It's it's a launch, right? You think lots of rockets blow up in the first couple minutes, and you know that's when you need to calm down. You think at the beginning of Comfortably Numb, it's got that that mellow feeling, late late night song. But then as you get going, that you know, when the heavy heavy guitars come into it, it just keeps going up and up and up, and and just to hear that uh, middle to to late song is just fantastic. And by the end of it, you're just amped up, ready to go. You know what my song makes me feel like? Like I'm leaving on a jet plane. Don't know if I'll be back again. So I don't like it. It's it's preparing me. It's preparing me for what's gonna happen. It's preparing me for. You know what? I'm okay if I don't come back again. I'm okay with whatever happens. Uh, you know what? I'm fine. I'm I'm getting myself ready. I'm getting myself psyched up to get on that, and then I'm gonna rock it into space, and I'm I'm gonna listen to it, and and. It's just it's it's gonna fill me up with with tears, and I'm gonna enjoy looking out the window and seeing seeing like planet Earth as as I'm I'm rocketing and and I'm just I'll think like oh wow like uh, like Kevin uh, well William Shatner was when he was I don't know if you heard the clips of him uh, uh, when he was in space but he was like oh my god and it was <laughs> oh my just amazing. Well, spe- speaking of William Shatner, the young Captain Kirk, the young James T. Kirk who stole his stepdad's car and went on a joyride, he was going on a sabotage because, you know, what? he he he's now in a different timeline and he doesn't even know that. He doesn't even know that his dad wasn't supposed to die. And so now he's he wouldn't have stolen this car. He wouldn't be, I don't know, would he be listening to sabotage? I don't know. But that's why it defined the Kelvin timeline. It makes me think when you when you go to space, you're going, man. You're going to do something. Yours is your guys are like, oh, I'm going off into the ether. I'm probably gonna die. <laughs> no, we're gonna sabotage this. We're gonna get going. We're gonna go to space. Yeah, the only out of order is... swaying the judge with Star Trek facts. <laughs> Hold on a second here. You can't you can't that, that's <laughs> like 
way in the future, right? Even if it's <laughs> like like it's real. <laughs> but, okay, yeah. judge has made his decision. Chris, oh. I think you're the only one who really captured the awe of that moment. You exactly. Awesome. Oh, Chris gets it. Yeah. Holy. So are we all tied up right now? We yeah. are. Huh. We we got a, we got a battle here. Um. <laughs> all right, bringing it up. So we are tied up, but let's see. The three rounds to go. Uh, Daff, so. Uh, yeah. All right, let's go. All right, sports. Who is the most influential athlete for their sport? Uh, How did Chris they? Is... What was their effect on their own sport? Which was who had the greatest? Up first is Dave. No, it's Chris. Oh no, this is it's Chris. Yeah, sorry. Okay, um, I picked um, Serena Williams. Not that I'm a big tennis fan. Um, I just think she is a huge uh, um, influence on the world of tennis. Um, there's there's a there's a whole movie about uh, about her upbringing in Compton and and her poor family and and you know she didn't go to the best schools. Um, movies called um, um, King King. King Richard, King Richard, that's what it's called. Um, you know, Will Smith plays plays the father, and it's it's all about uh, you know her early life and and you know what growing up in a in kind of a, a shitty kind of neighborhood, but still becoming this massive tennis star. Um, not only is she an influence in tennis, uh, you know what she's also uh, an influence to women around the world because she talked about her her pregnancy, um, the trouble she went through. She had to have an emergency C section. She had blood clots in her lungs. Um, she had to have like two heart surgeries after that uh, to get the clots out. Um, she's just an influence on tennis. She's an influence on girls around the world. Um, she's she's opened up a, a center in Washington, D.C. Okay, okay, very good. Dave, who is it? Okay, so this was an interesting one for me because I was like, well, who best, who's the most influential? And when you talk about influence, it, wouldn't that include the rules have to be completely changed because you are so good at your sport? And I'm talking about Kevin Martin in the sport of curling, who uh, during, especially when he was coming up um, uh, during the 1980s and like kind of the peak of his career, uh, they, before him, uh, there was no like four rock rules. Like if you're not familiar with curling, basically it's allowing a few rocks to go into play so that you can have a bit of a strategy, a bit of a game, because before that you could hit the rocks out right away. And uh, because he was so dominant that they had to like create these new rules or else the sport would have died. It would have just been like, well, whoever has the last rock is always going to win. And therefore, uh, you know, that's that's the end of the game. Plus, he also um, used to like soak his heads in, in like Sprite, apparently. And he would use that as a like, kind of a cheating technique when he was playing. And I think like, come on, like they got to And so they, they made new rules like you can only change your broom head once during a game or whatever. So like several rules created just because of him. Anyway, that's my time. Because he was a cheater. It's true. He was a cheater. He was like just like ruthless. Like he would, he, if it wasn't in the rule book, he was going to do it, okay. right? Like if there was no rule against it, like um, that, then you're going to have to invent one because of him. All right, Adam. All right, I took Muhammad Ali for boxing, but you know, he defined the sport, but also beyond that, he was a heavyweight known for style. You know, remember the quote: "Float like a butter butterfly, sting like a bee." He was the first boxer to use that moves in the in the uh boxing ring where he would go around like crazy rather than just coming out with huge uh punches and things like that he would um 
uh, he, he actually, when you think about his his influence in politics, he became uh, uh, during the human rights or sort of the yeah the human rights, but the equal rights campaign just to bring black matters onto the forefront. You know, his allegiance with Malcolm X was uh, key to that. Uh, you know, he he took a name that <clears throat> was a slave name because you know he wanted to be sure that people understood what he thought of the the race and it was just one of those things at that time was needed he was one of the first uh, athletes to bring politics before the, the sport and you know when he changed his name from Cassius Clay to uh um oh, sorry um, Muhammad Ali you know embracing Muslim but again staying popular in the sport and that was a big deal at that time uh, and, and just his use of media was amazing to see, too, the way he was able to manipulate and use the media to do things. And just just a great man. All right, open debate. Should be a good one. Well, Dave, I, I, I know about curling. Um, so, I, you know what? Kevin Martin wasn't an influencer. An influencer, like, does good things for the sport. He was a cheater. Let's face it. He was a cheater. Well, but when he okay, but when he used to have Last Rock, right? They had, yes, they had to change the rules because of him. That, that's why I wasn't cheating. Cool, okay, yeah, he did. Yeah, he it, did do the whole sprite thing, but but more, a dick. he was a dick. Let's face it. Well, he was a ruthless. He was ruthless in the, within the sport, right? So he wanted to win. He wanted to win the money, and so and the sport, right. and he was he was going to do whatever it took. So they're like, well, maybe there's something fundamentally flawed with our game. Maybe the rules need to be adjusted, and that's what that's what happened. Well, and and to your point, Adam, uh, about um, um, Muhammad Ali bringing, bringing black matters to the forefront, I think like tennis before Serena Williams was predominantly a white sport, and we know that. Uh, and she she influenced a lot of uh, um, black people, young women, um, um, you know what, to get out there, to get to get into sports. And, and uh, hey, Chris, I think that Serena Williams, you, you might be a little ahead of your time in saying that's a, a definition for or defining the sport because she's still active in it and you don't know what the implications of what she's doing now is going to be in 10 or 15 20 years but when looking back on ali and and just seeing how he was so instrumental in changing the sport and also just creating other other uh boxers look at who followed him um i'm just thinking of other like tyson for sure you know followed his style his his use of media uh sugar ray uh who was the other guy that the uh Oh Smokey my gosh, Joe. Smokey Joe! But the other guy who did the, uh, the the George Foreman, thank you. There it is, that guy. But also use of just the use of their their um, the media in what they've done, but also to bring what their political moves and and um, beliefs are forward and change and change society. Yeah, like I just don't and, know. And Dave, I just don't know Kevin Martin. I, I couldn't tell you anything about him. Well, what, from what I told you, but what, what I described when that uh, sell it though, like because yeah. I think that Muhammad Ali more of an influencer on culture, and he happened to be a boxer, but it was not really his influence on boxing. Um, you know, yeah, but, I, but okay, but you can say that. But if you want to go down to that, I mean, he did change the way that boxing was done before Ali came in. The guys just came together and threw a heavy, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, what do you call them? Big, big punches. The um, the, I'm not uh, haymakers haymakers thank you so much but you know just the whole dancing around he's almost like exercising a ballet in the ring you know and you've seen that after that sig significantly in the sport right his influence was to make boxing more like pro wrestling i think like because he was like kind of like uh following gorgeous george's kind of um moniker like wanting to be the yeah, villain but, so but 
Yeah, it's true. But boxing also was much bigger than wrestling at that point in time. Right. But he watched that and kind of took it. And that's kind of, I, I think if you want to say about his influence on the sport, it's that good, but that also, you know, he like, it's also accomplishments, but, um, and then the tennis one, Chris, like, I don't know, like it's, it's like, yes, but you can say the same thing with Tiger Woods in, in golf. And I think that there's uh, other examples. Yeah. But I don't think Tiger Woods is going to leave the, the legacy that other athletes could. Well, I think I think my choice is the only one that has an influence on our sport and on society because she like she spent her own time and money opening up a tennis center in Washington D.C. for for young women, and she she's also uh, out there an advocate for like um, um, postpartum depression and and um, uh, women who are you know going through things like that. So she's my choice is the only one who's an influence on the sport and on society. No, that's not absolutely wrong. Muhammad Ali is a huge <laughs> influencer on society, huge, and you know. All right, I, I've, I've I will say this: my my guy is not a huge influence on society at all. Like my, <laughs> it, the, the question was, who is the most influential athlete for their sport? And my, and I think, yeah, but uh, Dave, you can expand that well beyond a sport. I mean, a sport because why do people like boxing or even know about boxing because of the that iconic giant personality that takes it beyond the, the fans? It's it's much more than that. Okay. This is uh, an interesting one. I think you, you made some very convincing arguments, Chris, but I tried to discount anything that strayed from, as Dave said, the question of, I was just talking about the sport. Any outside influence on behalf of uh, Lee and Williams, I didn't really weigh into this. Completely, um, completely wrong. But, 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 but Adam made a good point about Serena Williams that, like, you may be right, Chris, but we don't know yet. I don't, I, and I think that's probably the case. Um, so I was trying to wrap my head around this whole curling thing because, and right. so you helped me with that, Chris. Um, is there anything I could explain to you that would help? Uh, no, it was, you just, don't have a sound clip. So eventually trying to no figure sound clips. out if the, the only thing significant that I got from your argument was that they did change like this rock rule because of his skill. Right, that yes. was the main. Not because of his okay. skill, because he was but, cheating. But, a lot of people can do that. No, no, that, that, well, they're two different and, things, and, right? But, yeah, I got that they're two different things. I got that they're two different things. Yeah. Um, it used to be like basically because whoever had the last rock, so they would just blank every end until the end, and then everyone's mm. booing because it's the most boring curling they've ever watched. You know, because whoever wants, whoever has the, the advantage there was like, no, I won't give this up. So they had to change the rules. Yeah, so that, I had to weigh that very heavily in that. It's very significant, but I still think Adam took it with Muhammad Ali. Um, and Dave, you helped him with that. Um, once oh, when, no. by, yeah, by bringing up the uh, pro wrestling angle. And th there was no bigger influence on any of these sports, I think, than the spectacle that Muhammad Ali added to boxing and that has persisted. I was just trying to help Adam's argument, and I, I did just that. Yeah, Thanks, you did. Dave. <laughs> Because he was talking about him being a, a cultural icon, and I'm like, well, you know. well, I still do. I discounted that, that part, though. I discounted. No, that but part. I don't think you can, yes, if can. you don't mind me saying, because you, you look at like you won anyway. Sports icon, I know, but I'm just saying when sports <laughs> icons like Gretzky, like, uh, and I'm surprised nobody took Gretzky or said um, Crosby or anybody like that who, you know, takes the sport and brings it to the general mass, mm. and more and more people know about the sport because of that person i think it's just a win 
for the sport. Well, yeah, and, and, but that's the argument I didn't want to have because that would just obliterate Dave's right off the start because yeah. curling has no cultural influence. So it's like you might as well just <laughs> Very not little. pick a curler. Wow, unless, you're, is... unless you play the sport, you're, you're completely oblivious to it. So happening. I didn't want to have that argument. I wanted to get to your specific to the sport so you could pick any sport. But, so I thought that was good. Muhammad Ali was always going to be tough to beat. I mean, an epic figure. Um, yes, though he... There was some foot, fancy footwork before him, like Willie Pep and the Willie Pep step. But, uh, all right, Crazy. next up we have history. This one's going to be, this is the one I'm looking forward to the most, I think. Well, these last two, really. Um, which historical figure's life story would be best told in a comedy? Dave. Uh, I think I'm up, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I said William Shakespeare. Um, because I think like a lot of his plays were comedies and I think that, uh, I think that, you know, I think Shakespeare in love from the nineties, I think is kind of in that same vein. Like how are you going to tell his story? Like how the, the antidotes, how does a writer find those kinds of stories, the most classic stories, uh, in modern English literature, um, you know, Macbeth, uh, King Lear, uh, all of these things, you know, Merchant of Venice. Um, and, uh, I think that, uh, I think just like. I think the the whole the whole like troupe or like the, the 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 theater company that he would have been with. I think you could tell a, a really good funny story about his life in a comedy. Um, he's not really controversial. He's pretty much you know people know who he is to this day. You know, despite he's been dead for four hundred years. And um, I think that uh, I think that that you could modernize it uh, in a really funny way. Anyway, that's my that's my minute. The bird. Hardy, har, hard. Uh, Adam. I took um, King Henry VIII. And again, when you look at this man and what he became, became in, um, in in historical value as far as, you know, creating two, two churches and whatnot, but the guy had six wives. You know, two he divorced, two he killed, and one outlived them. And I don't know what happened to the third one. But it's just, it's just re remarkable. Like, that, that in itself could be just a, a sitcom for, for a season based on just the wives and just other things about the man were just uh, amazing to read is first of all, is his, just his weight and his stature. He was a very big guy at six, two for, for those days was huge, but he was also about over 300 pounds. And that could be a, a good storyline. He was a hypochondriac. He, everything bothered him. He, he couldn't get through a day without thinking he was dying for something. He also became with that became self-diagnosing, yeah. trying to treat himself with things. So again, that, I think that's a really funny storyline. You know, yeah. hypochondriac and a king that wants to treat himself. Um, and then finally, I love this one. He was known as a hoarder, and he kept everything. And combined all of those things with the wives, the 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 six wives, the murder of the wives, the divorce of the wives. It just you know, and then just his his just his stature and his influence on the world and, and religion at the time it would be very funny to write. Okay, Some strong points, Chris. Who's <laughs> the funniest historical figure? <laughs> it's not it's about not. the funniest historical no, it's figure. It's about <laughs> it's best told in a comedy. Absolutely. Um, so I went with Jesus, and I think this will be hilarious uh, because you can start from the beginning to the end of his life. Like, you know what? The, the Bible doesn't really tell you anything about Jesus growing up. 
But uh, can you imagine the other kids picking on him when he found that they found out that his mom was a virgin? Oh, oh yeah, right, Jesus. Yeah, your parents didn't even have sex. Okay. Um, you know what? You could. We haven't even had sex yet. You could make fun of Joseph. Imagine Mary telling Joseph, "Oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, but we haven't even had sex yet. Oh, oh, well, it was God. It was God that did it. Um, it, it would just be hilarious. You could tell us about him growing up. Um, then you could, you know what, his miracles, like walking on water, you could make fun of that. Um, you could, you know what, Jesus is just a funny guy. Like he's made fun of on, on a lot of things. Like, um, uh, our number one family guy, Jesus was there and, and they're like, Jesus, Jesus, do a miracle. And he's like, going like, do, 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 do. And his fingers are just back and forth. Like there's so much comedy you could write about this guy. Um, it's amazing. Okay, open debate. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. What, what do you say? Um, Segments of comedy. <laughs> okay. Which of these are a comedy? Yeah, you're like beginning to end. I was like, what, you mean the end where they nailed him to a cross? What, where are you yeah. going to find the comedic beat there? Well, but then he... <laughs> Then he came back to life. You could make fun of him. You could be like, it could be like covering his eyes, and you could still see through his hands. Like it would He's be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you had a sense of humor about the whole execution thing, <laughs> it's, it's a dawn of the dead. Or, uh, right, evil dead I think there's so much. There's so much material there to write about. Yeah. Uh, Henry VIII, uh, they did make a show about him. It was called The Tudors. Uh, it was, but that I, was I a serious laughed. show. It was a serious. I never show. laughed. It was. It was a serious show. It was never yeah. meant to be funny, but right. you know, again, Davin, like I look at all three of these and go, like, yes, Dave would be, it'd be kind of fun to see the comedy. I kept I thinking about, yeah, yeah, waiting for Guffman. I thought of when he was talking about the comedy, you know, the the writing troupe behind him. It just, I, yeah, it's good. And Jesus, that would be funny too. I, I, I like them all. <laughs> I think we should all get a point. Is the debate over? Are you guys just agreeing to agree? Well, I, think, I don't know. I think they're. I think they're conceding the point to me, Davin. But I think I, no, no, there was no concession there at all. I think you should choose wisely. Uh, I think that I think that theirs are more problematic because there's like they have to historically kind of uh, work their way around some you know pretty deep. Uh, stuff. No, you don't. For mine, he, he had six wives. That and he, that, and he I, cut I'm their sure heads off. He killed two of them. So, What's funny about that? Is, is it funny to kill your wives? No. Uh, no. I think not funny. Dude, I think it depends who wrote it. Depends who wrote it. If you, Jody says he would watch Chris's Jesus show. I, same with me. Like, But, you know, I, I'd watch my show, too. I could I already see how, you know, it could be written. It would be a very dark written, darkly written. Kevin Smith could write this show. I wore this button-up shirt for you, Jody. I can clean up. I saw that episode. Oh, Davin's going to play Jesus. In this. <laughs> well, uh, I played Jesus in a movie trailer before. It's on YouTube. You can go see that. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I only got to play Christ. the... Uh, it's, uh, it's on there. Um, the, I was the Roman who killed uh, Jesus in the Stations of the Cross. And then they were yelling, Jesus, killer at me in the hallways. It's true. <laughs> well... I really want to see Chris's movie, and he practically wrote it there in front of us. <laughs> He's got he laid out all the story beats. So, this is a fascinating episode. Chris is leading with the last question coming back. In. Good, good, no, no, you guys are tired. Yeah, oh, I, I, I'm in trouble here. I, I I'm not. Uh, what I, happens if it goes two, two, two? You have to you have to on the fly make up another question. Usually oh, it would be like that. you would just decide who was the the weakest of the three, and then you would uh, cut that person. So, uh, gotcha. um, 
Yeah. So okay. I need the point. I need the point just to force that. Mm -hmm. so, uh, okay. Well, okay. Uh, Jody just wants to say no one wants to watch a comedy about Shakespeare. What drugs are you on, Dave? Well, I don't know if uh, nobody. Like, I, you would, know. I would. Yeah. Okay. So debunked, Jody. Debunked. <laughs> Sorry, Jody. I like you a lot, but I agree with Dave. Maybe not uh, if Dave was the writer. I wasn't really. Maybe not. I don't think I pitched it very well. <laughs> uh, granted. Okay. So let's get the uh, the ding 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 going here. Ding. What is the most significant scientific breakthrough of the last 10 years, Adam? I'm going with the CRISPR. And if you don't know what that is, it's a technology that can be used to edit genes. And honestly, the potential here can change the world. You know, it's simple. It's finding a, a way. It's not simple. Not simple at all. It's but basically finding a specific bit of DNA in, a cell, in the cell and then editing that DNA to do something. So if you think about this, if I have a cancer gene and they can identify that and pull that out of my, my, my DNA, I won't get the cancer. Conversely, you know, if you wanted to go to the science fiction route, you know, when you say, okay, I want a kid with no potential to wear eyeglasses, no potential for illness. Uh, he wants to be six feet tall, blonde hair, whatever it might be. You could develop that person. I mean, the danger here is amazing that the debates are amazing how this is going to go. But just when you think of the potential to alter every living thing in the world is just to me to be just mind boggling. And where this goes is going to be really interesting to see. He's got three seconds left on the clock. So he's also okay. Yeah. Sci-fi is cool. There's your three seconds. Okay, Chris. What's the most scientific, significant scientific breakthrough of the last 10 years? I think I went with something pretty obvious. I'm, I'm going to go with the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, I mean, like, do you remember when, when COVID first started? Um, I, I remember. Um, uh, we all thought it was going to go away within a month, within two months. We thought that COVID was everywhere. And then I remember, I remember watching Justin Trudeau on TV one day, and he said, like, you know what? This is not going to go away. This is not going to go away until we develop a vaccine. Uh, and, it, and it took about a year from that point until the first vaccine came out. Uh, and many people were dying. People still die now. Um, but the significance of, of the vaccine now is that the, the science behind it, if you, you, you can still get COVID when you have the vaccine, but you're not going to end up in the ICU. Um, you're not going to die from it. Um, you're you're going to get sick for a few days. Uh, and I, I think that's wonderful. I think it saved millions and millions of lives around the world. Like, like so many people have died from this disease. Uh, I think the last year of issuing vaccines has saved so many lives. Very good. Very good. Dave. Okay. Um, so for this one, I went with the discovery in 2016. Um, and you got to follow along with me here. I have a little, I think I have, I have an uphill battle here, but um, there's the, they discovered a planet uh, that's only 4.2 light years from earth. Uh, it's called Proxima B. It's believed to be in the habitable zone. It has to be confirmed still, but there's a very good chance that this planet, which is relatively close to us, you know, it's still four. 2 million, uh, million light years, which is um, 4.2 light years, which is still very far. But, um, you know, I think that the discovery of more habitable planets, the colonization of the human race uh, onto those planets, whether they be on, you know, something onto even onto Mars or the moon is prudent because um, there was this uh, big rock that hit Earth a long time ago. It killed a lot of dinosaurs. 
I would like for the human race not to end up in their fate. And I say, I think that the discovery of uh, places we can colonize the human race out into space, I think is a very uh, important scientific breakthrough and something that, um, that we have to keep pursuing uh, overall. Oh, I'm out of, I'm out of time. Got to keep me honest there, damn it. Where's my gavel? Appealing to the Star Trek loving host. Okay, first of all, <laughs> oh, your host. That's the first trivial debates thing. First of all, Dave, I don't, I don't think that yours is a scientific breakthrough. I think yours is a discovery. It's something that's already been here. It's not a scientific breakthrough. Um, and as for Adam, I think that yours um, has the potential to be very dangerous. Uh, I, I don't think that people should should necessarily be able to create their own kids in the in the image that they want. Like, do we want a world of everyone being six foot two with blue eyes and blonde hair? Um, I, I don't think that's look more like me. Um, I think that that you know we should come like people. Are. Yeah, uh, Chris, I think that, you know, yours are a little linked as far as what, what we discover or define as the best inventions, um, breakthroughs. However, yours is like a, a, just a piece of what mine can be, you know, you know, imagine that we define, just, just find out something that can, where nobody gets sick or nobody uh, develops any, any, any things that are limiting to their own well-being and their 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 um, ability to grow and learn and whatnot. Uh, I think this is a fantastic discovery. Yes, it could be dangerous, but it's also yeah. how you how which direction you go. I mean, it doesn't we, we don't know yet. Uh, Dave, your yours it is a discovery. I, I I think that it will take the discovery of a of a comet that's going to hit us to make us think about how to get there. Yeah. Uh, you know <clears throat> don't look did you see don't look up? I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like even that, even that, it probably won't do much good. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that was a great ending. Yeah, I think with CRISPR, like CRISPR is one of these things that really scares me, and I wonder if it's going to eventually be like sort of outlawed or highly controlled if it's not already. It has to be controlled. It has to be controlled. Because, like, my understanding is that you can like do anything with it. Like, you know, you can. You well, can you know, genes. to bring it to our judge, this is like superhumans, uh, con, con esque. You know what you can yeah, do. Eugenics. With yes right um yeah well even just like the like the moral debate like should you you know be able to choose if you have a boy or a girl right if you're gonna have a baby right like you know you, you but you can take away beyond that you can choose all kinds of traits like how much yeah but don't muscle. look at the negative here you can also take a lot of things that are negative about uh, about the randomness of being born the way it is today you True. know yeah well I, where's the justice in being born with like a disease or uh you know something so or this, this, you know 10 years from now we might not be able to control that we might not you know deformities might be gone right but it's not going to matter if we're all dead because an asteroid hit the planet <laughs> and we need to find another planet to go live on and uh you would know, you we stop need to... looking up dave <laughs> just don't look up <laughs> you know up. Uh, whether whether no. that be colonizing mars or whether that you know i think more more i think more realistically if we can find a planet it might not be this specific planet but i think like continuing to uh advance astrometric science in the way that we can identify more of that and then also the space travel that would be necessary i think that uh let's not put all our eggs in one basket the eggs being the human race the basket being earth well, Dave, there's billions of people on the planet, dude. We got to discover a way to get that, all, get all these people there. It's it's gonna. Uh, be that's another them. kettle of, kettle of fish because you're gonna see. Then you, who goes? Yeah. To your point. Yeah. Don't look up. <laughs> yeah, then only the rich get to go, and then they get eaten by a dard bark or whatever. So <laughs> when they get there. <laughs> okay. All right, are you guys done? Uh, yeah, we still have thirty seconds left. Uh, uh, but um, final jabs. 
get it. Anyway, I, I think Chris, you know, and I, I am not an anti-vaxxer <laughs> by any. Re I'm total support of the vax but well, you know, we still wait, wait, wait. Like wait we still have yeah. to see where we're going. There, it hasn't been. We haven't lived the, the the length of this, and people still do get sick and die, even being vaccinated, very small amounts. So it's just a false statement saying they don't. Well, it, it lessens your, it's it, COVID. Yes, it, totally it, agree. Totally agree. But you just don't say no. It's, a good no vaccine. it's not perfect, but it's good. And it's, yeah. it was, it's and, a, but honestly, when you start quoting anyway. Trudeau, when you start quoting Trudeau, you lose me right away. So. <laughs> <laughs> I bring politics. He was right on this. Okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, a couple comments here from uh, from uh, Jody. Um, he says uh, he's rooting for Chris. Uh, he's done great this episode, Team Chris. He says, "Bye, Dave." Uh, yeah, he, he doesn't. And uh, he says, "Tell you're me right, Dave didn't win." Uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling I'm not. I, I'm out. It was a discovery, and there's too much still yet to happen. But see, th th that's the case with all your guys' things. Now you almost gutted your own uh, argument there, Adam. You did win this one. But you almost got it when you went after Chris and you said the effects of which we've yet to really see. It's the same with Pittsburgh. Like the most significant, significant thing Pittsburgh is going to do, it hasn't done yet. Well, but, that's that's why I said potential. Yeah, exactly. But in, in significance doesn't denote whether it's a good or a bad thing. So like when people kept piling on to you, here's the things that CRISPR could do. That's just adding to your argument, not taking from it. So that, yeah. Sorry, Dave. It's okay. It I, I, I don't think my I, I think my answers in the first three questions were stronger than you know it was I think it was the lack of sound clips. I think I, I if I had come with sound <laughs> six sound clips, I think I would have done better. Yeah, well, what does Proxima B sound like, Dave? You know, I don't we don't know yet. We don't know. It's it's, it's a, gotta it's, have some radio signal. You know. It's it's a recent breakthrough. Yeah. I, I'm reading about it like here that. on the side. I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. but like yeah, we're not even talking about it. And so and we should be. I'm excited about Proxima B. There we go. We might be going. We may be proximants. Um, okay, so I'm gonna listen to on our way there. I've been eliminated, so I'm. Uh, You're I'm back to your primary role. I'm back yeah. to. I'm back to Stick doing what I do, produce. which is uh, fantastic. So I'm just. Gonna, I'm gonna come uh, off here. All uh, right, like, me and Chris. You guys are in for a treat. Let's go. Oh, producer Dave is something else. Okay, so you got. All right, here we go. Number one here. Practical oh. effects are better wait, than wait, CGI. Wait, wait, wait. Are well, we just are we jumping in with? Yeah, whoever hollers it gets to go with that one. Practical effects are better than CGI. False. No, CGI is way better. Ah, uh, you both went for false, but Adam got in first. Will. All right. <laughs> I think that that CGI. You know, first of all, it became uh, it, it brought worlds and, and moves and and visuals that we could never possibly see in, in other pictures. Be, you know, before CGI. Uh, I the believability has just become incredible over the years you know you can see the early days of cgi versus the today it's amazing to see the difference but just the the, the ability to tell a story and, and that's what a movie is it's to remove you from here and put you somewhere else in your mind and that's what that cgi uh, effects have just been able to do you know what i um i don't think cgi effects really make a movie or break a movie um what makes a movie is the acting and you could have a scene, it doesn't need to have CGI. If you if you see the emotion of an actor or an actress like doing well, doing their job well, and you can feel that emotion, that's just as powerful as any CGI. I mean, I like watching stuff blow up and, and um, I like watching dinosaurs and shit like that that we wouldn't have without CGI. But I believe that the actors actually make the movie and it's not the CGI effects that make the movie. I would, uh, do we have a rebuttal here? 
Okay, I, I would agree, Chris, that you know you take an actor who is acting against a, gra a green screen or a blue screen, has to act better. They have to make it more believable because they're acting with no influence of anything else behind what's going on behind them. Uh, and I agree, the acting is a key to any movie. But what is wrong with them being able to put in the best sequence behind it to make it look just more believable? You know, you know so. what, but the movies can be great without CGI. Um, like Dave won the round earlier. Uh, you can't handle the truth. You know what? That scene doesn't need any CGI at all. It was, but, but, it, but, but it doesn't warrant it. It doesn't. It doesn't need it because it doesn't warrant it. CGI is not needed to make the movie great. No, it great doesn't. It, it's not without CGI. It's not needed in some movies. One room movies. You know, uh, is it's just a fine aspect to that. It's, but but when you want to take a movie beyond what it is in one room or you know, making little claymations of enterprises and fly them against the sky. It, it doesn't work. I would much rather watch an enterprise fly in CGI than a model. I have a winner. Your heart wasn't in it, Chris. Adam won this one, but you're both because you wanted to both debate the same thing and you're both wrong. Practical effects are way better than model enterprise looks way better than CGI enterprise. No, anyway. no, no. So does. <laughs> well, I didn't get the choice I wanted. <laughs> I do. I do. All right, so I was supposed to do these speed round questions in like the same categories. I don't know that I did that, but I'll try to match them up as best as I can. TV, we'll go with something media-based anyway. Um, podcasts are the best form of media. No. They're, okay, definitely, they're definitely not the best form of media. When you look at television, you look at uh, there's radio, there's uh, newspapers. There's so many other forms of media out there. Uh, how can you call podcasts the best? I mean, podcasts are great, but I like sometimes I want to watch a movie. Um, sometimes I want to watch a TV show. Um, sometimes I, I want to watch stuff on YouTube that's not a podcast. I want to watch something funny. I want to watch something on TikTok. I'm not saying, I wouldn't say that anything is the best form of media. There's media out there. Adam. Uh, okay. I think the podcasts have become the voice of the people. And um, considering back in the late 80s and early 90s, there was over 90 media stations in America alone that could present different points of view and you know, and different stories than the less than 10 that we have now. You know, the media today can craft anything they want, any direction they want, and get the buy-in because they have it. The podcast allows other stories to be told. You know what? Media media could be anything, though. Media, like I said, could be TikTok. It could be YouTube. It could be someone expressing their opinion on there. You don't need to have a podcast to, these days to express your opinion. But how do you get it? How do you Facebook? There's so many different types of media that it's. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call any of them the best. I don't think there's a best form of media. I think they all have their place, and I wouldn't call any of them the best. Well, I I, I, so call the podcast I, the best I disagree. I think that the that people's. Statement. When it's dangerous when the the voice is controlled by certain people or certain corporations and you only have one direction uh the podcast allows other voices to be put out there and frankly none of us would have this kind of fun without a podcast there's there's other forms of and, media that, and, that you don't that is there's not the media uh like like youtube people can have their own youtube channel um you can express yourself in other ways I, uh, I, I but i think the podcast also allows interaction and 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 debate rather than a, I, a, I think podcasts I, are great but i don't think it's fair to call any form of media the best form of media all right i have made my decision 
I didn't think Chris could like destroy my debate topic as well as he did. <laughs> like, I thought it was going to be someone would pick like TV to go against it or something. He's just like, no, nah, there's no best. And here's why. And I was like, all right, you're right. Chris takes the point. And, and your point about um, the, there's other kind of substitutes you could throw in for podcasts. See, I didn't think about that either way. I thought of the question. Good job, Chris. You kind of defeated me. <laughs> um, okay, music. I do have a music one. Bagpipes are underutilized in pop music. True. All right. Bagpipes are great. I don't know if you guys know of a, a band called the Mudmen. Um, they're 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 from the East Coast. They're fantastic. Um, it's it, it's like it's like a rock band with with bagpipes in the background, and it, it just enhances the song so much. Um, there's there's you could throw in songs like ACDC. Um, there's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. That song features bagpipes. You know what? These are these are only the two bands that come to the top of my head that actually utilize bagpipes. Um, more, I think. Okay, Chris, I think that there's a there's a place for bagpipes, and you you identified a few of them, which is great. And because because of their unique sound, because of the way they are, uh, they're memorable. And and but when if they became you know wide used more as as Davin has asked us, I, I don't think they would be um, as, as appreciated as they, they could be. You know, a lot of people really do not like the bagpipe. It, it's annoying sound. It's very high pitched. There's a guy down the road that practices every now and then. Everybody's in the neighborhood is cringing. There's a it, lot of people that don't like country music. You don't have to listen to it if you don't like it. Uh, there's a lot of people that don't like uh, rap music. You don't have to listen to it. If there's a bagpipe song, that's out there and I want to listen to it, then that's fantastic. The question is, are bagpipes underutilized? I say yes, because I can only think of two bands that have used the bagpipes. Um, but but, but, but because you have thought of those two bands, head, it makes them stand out, it makes them special and makes them unique, right? Because of that. I mean, my goodness, even in, in movies, again, I go to Star Trek. I mean, who, who can ever forget Wrath of Khan again, where, you know, Spock is being ejected into space with, with, um, whatever song being played. Uh, I don't think that they should be utilized in every song, but I think grace. they are underutilized in the music industry as a whole. Because um, the, the songs that I know with bagpipes in them are, are fantastic. Yeah, you've made that point five times, but the point being is the, there's, there's only two songs that you can say in one band. I mean, really, it, it, they're not that's not, why they're underutilized. They're not under. Listen, if they were going to be overutilized or utilized more, people would have already capitalized on that and, and made it um, worthy to make money on. They just can't do it because it's you not that popular. Try oh my God, Chris. It. It's it's <laughs> annoying. There's only five songs on bagpipes as far as I know. It's, it's boring as shit. But I think uh, they're fantastic. Uh, I didn't think the bagpipe argument was going to be the most... <laughs> this is the one where people one. got upset. <laughs> people are losing it. Bagpipes oh, <laughs> <laughs> aren't this controversial here on the East Coast. They're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay you know what five point or five times or not it was a good point chris you take it oh for <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> all right we got a four four tie with how many questions we got left here uh three to go okay good 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 oh boy If you have something sporty themed, this would be the time. Sporty. What can I do? Sporty. Okay. Survivalist. Survivalism is kind of a sport now, right? Mm -hmm. All right. 
I'd rather be trapped outside for 24 hours in a snowstorm than a rainstorm. False. Okay. I'd rather be trapped outside in a rainstorm for 24 hours because I'm not as cold. Um, rain is wet for sure. Um, but I, I don't, I don't want to be freezing. I, I don't want to die of frostbite. Um, I, I like, I don't know how to survive. I don't know how to build an igloo. Um, this is a personal question for me, right? So I'd rather be trapped in the rain. I can, you know, I can go sit under a tree. I can try to shelter myself. I can try to do something. I don't know what I would do out, out in the snow. I can barely stand shoveling my driveway. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I've done a lot of winter camping over the years and I can tell you from personal experience, I would much rather be in a snow than a rain and being wet absolutely sucks. I don't care if it's warm or it's cold. It's just, it's the worst. You, you can never get a chill out of your bones. At least when it's snow, you can, you know, shelter yourself, whether it be a tent or a snow cave or whatever it might be out of the wind. And honestly, once you're in that, if you've ever been in one, it becomes sort of a, a <clears throat> what you do is your, your body heat admits. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how to build a snow cave, Adam. And I don't yeah, think but, you're allowed to have a tent if you're outside. I don't think you're allowed to have a tent. I don't think well, that's part he, of the rules. What do you mean? Because or else I'd have a tent in the rain. So that's not part of the rules. But I do know I do know how to go under <laughs> well, a tent. What's the rules? So he has a question. <laughs> yeah, 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 undefined. undefined. But you're not allowed to have a tent. Because <laughs> like, okay. if I have a tent in the rain, I'd be that would be great. Like, I'm yeah. fine in there. <laughs> like, um, well, you're you're still gonna be cold. Yeah, no, I did say trapped outside. I did <laughs> say trapped outside. My tent you're trapped outside. No tent. Okay, I, okay. Honestly, I could live much better outside in a snow. And then, uh, is do I have a snow? Do I am I at least dressed for the weather, Davin? Can I have that? <laughs> oh sure. Okay, th then I could absolutely survive better in a snow uh, than I than a rain. Hundred percent. It's it's it's. <clears throat> It's easier to get out of the wind, out of the elements, and just be in the cold, cool air. It really is. I mean, even on my, if I was trapped outside right now in the cold, I could dig into the snowbank that's out in my street and, and get out of the wind and create myself and be quite comfortable for at least 24 hours. All right. I, I, I give that one to Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Being wet is the worst, man. Like your feet will swell up in like an hour and you're done here. But, uh, okay. Storm is the greatest female superhero. That's a science question, a history question. Yeah, why not? There's historical superheroes. That's pretty close. Yeah, let's go with it. Paul. Storm is the greatest superhero. Paul, all right, go for it. Storm is the greatest superhero? Is that the mm -hmm. question? Female superhero. There's so many other great ones. Um, I mean, like, how can you... How can you um, Nail it down to just Storm. Actually, I'm not really a big comic book guy. I don't know who Storm is. Like, I know who Wonder Woman is. <laughs> like, isn't she better? I, I don't know. I, I have no idea what Storm does. Um, but uh, what, what about Wonder Woman? What about Catwoman? What about, like, Super Supergirl? Like, there's so many other female superheroes that, that how can you pick one to be the greatest? Um, I, they are all great in their respective ways. Um, hmm. I think that you're absolutely right, Davin. Storm. <laughs> Storm is the greatest superhero, and and just the the ability to do what she does and controlling the elements is you, that is amazing. Chris, she can make it rain on you all day long. You'd be very happy, but could she make it snow on you too? You know, like, 
honestly, that power itself just, you know, I think we had a debate over, you know, which witch is the best a few months ago. This is the best one for 100%. Controlling the weather, controlling the elements, wipes out everything. But who would win if, like, Storm and, say, Supergirl got in a fight? Uh, do Storm. I don't know. Storm. No, Storm. I, I don't think there would be because, what, is Supergirl going to be afraid of some rain? Like, is, is uh, Batwoman going to be afraid of some rain? I don't I don't think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, but they might be afraid of a tornado. <laughs> Wonder Woman has, has an invisible jet. She'll just fly above the clouds. <laughs> What's going to be then, eh? It's the impact Storm. I'm flying above the clouds. So, so, so what, Chris? She's just going to run forever because she can't fight her? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. 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 I, I could have crushed this debate. I pretty much made that one for me. Storm is the yep. greatest, but Chris, you win. Okay. Are you just trying to keep this going, Davin? No. It's going to be... So, no. No, no. Chris is crushing the speed round. This is the last one. All right. All this right. Is so our yeah, this is for pirate. all the marbles here, guys. All the marbles. Well, somebody's got to win. Yeah, someone has to win. LeVar Burton should host trivial debates from now on. Yes. Oh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> did you say false? I did. He so did. You said yes. All right. I said yes. Proper yep. disagreement here. All right, uh, Lavar Burton. I think that he's got. First of all, he's got the 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 ability and the the experience to be a good host on this show. Uh, he would probably pick all Star Trek questions and reading Rainbow questions, which I could totally get on with. Um, yes. All right. All right. You know, Wait. I think he's he's got the personality for it, and he would definitely have the knowledge that we needed to pick the right winners, which would be me all the time. You know what? You said it right there. He would always choose Star Trek and reading rainbow questions. This show would get so damn boring. Um, and not only that, like this is our show. Dave Maynard created this show. Yes, LeVar Burton's a, a great guy. And maybe he would be a guest host, like like on Jeopardy, right? He he wouldn't be the greatest. He wouldn't be the, the, the host every single time. That would be no fun for us. We all have fun hosting. Davin, you're having fun right now hosting. You wouldn't be having this much fun with LeVar Burton hosting right now, would you? Um, you well, well. Rebuttal. <laughs> I, think, I think that LeVar Burton would bring an, elevate, an elevation to this show and a hell of a lot of subscribers after this show if he was the, the host. Right. Um, Simply because of the the experience that he has in the media and the and the in the in the directing he's had and just the decades of, of of acting that he's had. Okay, the number the number of subscribers. You know what? That could be brought up by having Hulk Hogan host the show every week. That could be like the the, no, the question was Levar Burton, man. It like, that's be, it. Because people are tuning in to watch Levar Burton. They're not tuning in to watch our show that Dave Mater created. Oh, we would be it the would comedy. Be, it would be, then he might even get his own friends on the show and it will become less of Dave's show. And you know what? We're making this our thing right now. We have fun with it. We don't need celebrities interfering, interfering <laughs> with our fun and ruining celebrity interference, ruining our, our end, end of the month Sundays. It would just be, be horrible. And you know what? He would get boring after a time, always asking Star Trek questions. It would, it would just. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you lost me right there because I could do a whole. Okay, Adam, then you would always win because you know a lot about Star Trek. No, no, I, I actually, I'd be challenged by these guys. I would, I would have no fun on this show because I don't really watch Star Trek. I would have no fun at all. I'd probably never be on the show again if LeVar Burton was hosting all the time. 
All right. I've heard enough. Well, there it is, man. I win. There already is a preeminent Star Trek debate show, and it's called Debate 9, and it's over on Locutors of Trek. Chris, you are the champion of the day. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's been a minute. They, they where, told me it couldn't happen, Chris. They told where me Where is Ashley? Happen. Ashley, last night, totally slammed you, Chris. Well, yeah. I've won this show before. It was uh, one time. <laughs> Chris, you got you got you got to uh, you got to bask in your glory here. Uh, Good debates all around. Thanks, guys. That was fun. <clears throat> okay, we can all be equals now. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, that was a great that was a great episode. I was kind of I was happy to be out of that speed round. It was fun to watch you guys go back and forth. And, and uh, uh, Chris just frustrate Adam with his answers. Bagpipes, bagpipes. What are you talking about, Chris? Like it's four songs. Only uh, that's it. Oh, man. Uh, I, was, uh... I freaking hate the bagpipes, man. <laughs> well, you know, that neighbor I, I had to put it after. I was like, why did I vote for bagpipes? <laughs> Adam's neighbor's watching this with a single tear running down his cheek. <laughs> like, oh, God, here he comes. Uh, uh, Jody Simpson says here, Chris, rocking this debate. Proud of you, Chris. Thanks, and, Jody. Uh, Jody also saying, um, uh, or sorry, he's throwing his hat in the ring for the next episode. It's time Ooh. he shows the true champs. Who, I guess, who is the true champ of trivial debates? He's the champ. Uh, yeah. All right. We can do something. Uh, get you in there. Oh, and Chris says, congrats, Chris. Or sorry, Jody says, congrats, Chris. I'm sorry. Hashtag team Chris. One of them hash so, so, when, when did Jody start being a fan of you on trivial debates, Chris? He used to be your biggest, uh, when, when like, he, when, he's not playing, when he's not debating against me. Oh yeah, so he's yeah, he like he, he cheers for you as long as you're not an opponent. Okay, I he's a glory right. chaser. He saw the wind coming and he's just like Team Chris. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on board. I see this coming. Yeah. It's gonna happen because Chris, like this is like what your second win ever. Ever, yeah, yeah. And I remember the the first time you got a win, Jody was like, it was because I wasn't there that week. Just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, but congrats! Like, yeah, you, you were uh, you were really funny in a lot of those answers. Um, uh, I don't know what went yeah, wrong. For it was you. it was a funny show. Was good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much, Davin. You were a great host today. No uh, this was uh, episode uh, the beginning of se season five of Trivial Debates, if you can believe it. We started this back in like 2016, I think, or something like that, or 14 even. I don't know. It's been, we took a couple years off, and then we came back with it when we went to the video format. But uh, make sure we do a, a episode monthly. Now this is technically our January episode, so I'm going to see what we're going to be doing for February. Uh, I think Jody is going to be in on some level for the next one. And we'll kind of figure out who's uh, who's hosting and who's competing and everything else. Um, I think Jamil wanted to be on this episode, and I forgot about that, so I want to get Jamil back in for another episode as well. And uh, what am I missing? Well, you should you should also check out Davin's shows. He mentioned them a couple times, but he's got uh, his own um, YouTube and podcast uh, outlets, including Locutors of Trek, which is his Star Trek uh, channel, where you can well, you have his Debate Nine. That's like a Star Trek. Trivial debates, kind of thing. Uh, you got to think of how Tuvok says "sensor." It's sensor. locutors of Trek. Sensor, locutor, in, 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 in honor of Tuvok. Sensors. Yes. Yeah. Locutors. Maybe that's my maybe that's my Ontario accent coming through. Must I be. Don't know. Must be. Yeah. Um, and then um, uh, 
you also have your X-Men, the animated series, where you talk about Storm, who, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Well, you, you think you're wondering what was going to be afraid of the raid? <laughs> <laughs> Storm oh is the greatest. Kill me. I don't me, even yeah. know who Storm is. <laughs> the X-Men. Well, Halle yeah. Berry played her in the X-Men movie. Oh, okay. that wasn't Storm. Yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> but I yeah, guess. yeah, we just had uh, David... Uh, Marvel artist David Cutler on to help us review Days of Future Past Part One, and wow, uh, yeah. we got Days of Future Past Part Two coming up. Uh, That's a great Tuesday. story. That's a great story. It, it is. Uh, yeah. So I'm a, a big fan. Uh, if you ever need a guest, let me know. Uh, that's on oh, Tuesdays, yeah. right? You guys do that Tuesdays at uh, the seven your time. Seven our time. Okay, great. And then also you should check out our other channels. We have uh, we have two other ones beyond trivial debates. One is called. Um, Live Long in Podcast. It's a Star Trek themed uh, TV and movie review channel uh, where we look at uh, new and old episodes of Star Trek and movies, um, including uh, on Monday nights, we talk about Star Trek Enterprise. If you've ever watched that show, we do that with Jody Simpson, Adam Woodward, Kevin Millard. We've been going through all the episodes. I think we're up to episode 10, I think, or something now. Um, and we're, we're continuing through the tenth, uh, the first season right now. Uh, we're told it's going to get better. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I booked a seat for Silent Enemy some time ago, so I'll tell you guys why the show. Silent great. Enemy is that coming yeah. up in the first season? Is that the yeah, Romulan it's like one? number twelve or something? No, it's yeah. an awesome Hoshi Hoshi episode. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. Like, um, so we talk about Star Trek Enterprise each week. Uh, the Scott Bakula starring one from the early two thousands, as well on Deep Space. Tuesdays, we talk about Star Trek D Space Nine at nine ish, uh, with Jeff Maynard leading the station when he you know remembers to wake up, and uh, we you know we we just talked to we're into the fifth season now. We've been talking about all those episodes in order. We've been doing that for almost two years. Uh, we, we just talked about looking for Parmok in all the wrong places, and this uh, this Tuesday we'll be talking about ignore the battle to the strong which is a kind of a, a really war themed episode a jake cisco themed episode if you can believe it uh gold be, jerry gold gold uh we'll be talking about that on tuesday night and then thursday uh we're, we're, we're returning with star trek discovery season four is coming back uh they've been on hiatus since december we just uh talked about star trek prodigy over the month of january as they continued their first season i was talking about that with davin and jessica chan uh season if you if you guys haven't seen Star Trek Prodigy, you need to go and watch it. It is a great show. Like it's really it's it, it's meant for kids. Uh, it's a Nickelodeon show, but it is it's as much Star Trek as anything else. It's less and childish than the Discovery. It's less childish than Discovery. It's more mature in a lot of ways. It's yeah, it is way more mature. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so, but I'm excited to be getting back to Discovery with uh, with uh, Adam and Michael this Thursday. And then Star Trek Picard coming up in about a month, and then Strange New Worlds after that. Plus, you should also check out our other uh, thing we do, which is called uh, Star Trek Radio Theater, uh, which we you know we do like script reads of the episodes. Chris has been on an episode, and uh, you know we many of us have. Um, and so we we did first contact at the end of December. That was our season two finale. We are now planning season three. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of great episodes uh, coming your way, and guest stars and everything else for 2022. So check out Live Long and podcast plus also check out super mater brothers podcasting that's a channel i do with jeff and often with jameel robinson uh, and many others uh, talking about st movies and tv that's not specific to star trek um and uh we are talking about right now celebrity big brother three uh they are just kicking off that's running the whole month of february i'm talking about that with jameel robinson primarily when jeff comes and then um we also have uh, we talked about survivor we're gonna be talking about the new season of survivor that's coming up in march uh we just talked about ozark we talked about marvel stuff including uh we talked about hawkeye recently um 
when we're going to be talking about Doctor Strange when that comes out. We got Moon Knight on the horizon. Lots of great uh, TV movies. Uh, the, we talked about the Beatles documentary. So there's all kinds of great like review podcasts where we just kind of break down how much do we like it. What, what, do we, what do we think? If you want to hear people's opinions, we got plenty. So Moon that's Knight our... on the horizon. Well done, sir. Well done. Y- yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and with that, I think that's all of the plugs. Um, make sure, uh, unless I've forgotten anybody. Um, but I think that's that's about it. And so and uh, we got a comment here. Uh, come on, Jody says. <laughs> smile at him displeased at him he's like how did i let that win get away from me Jeez. <laughs> chris chris you brought a level i didn't expect today i, I gotta Thank say you. he, he got the deep on course. a lot of those debates yeah he was yeah he was like because you, you expect chris to like uh, but when I win, I don't, I know, whatever. And then he's like, it's oh, like you prepared a little bit. Like you turn it on. plays a Jesus movie. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. And on that, we are going to take you away with some funky music. Uh, we'll see you next. Uh, well, maybe, maybe sooner than later for the second episode of season five, Trivial Debates. And again, thanks to uh, Devin. Let's, uh, let's, let's get some funky. Oh, thank you.